back at it again. Uh, how y'all doing out there? That's correct. We have returned. We have returned. You, listeners, have tuned in to another episode of, now that we have a name, The Reluctant Cruise, a One Piece recap podcast. Oh, is that the name? I'm one of your hosts. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Brian, and with me is Steve. Yo, what's up? My name's Steve. Nice to see y'all and hear from y'all and all that good Glad stuff. Glad you can see them, Steve. Yeah, I'm always It's his them. devil fruit power. Ooh. Yeah, bro. Okay, and with us is Clinton, Hello. also known as Slash. My devil fruit power is being slow, but reliable. Okay. That's definitely a mood. Uh, yeah, so eventually they're probably just going to stop saying Brian as much as they'll say Cabra. So that's one of my things, if you hear that. A little bit of a timestamp, just because we're still in the wild and crazy times of the coronavirus. It is July 2nd. A lot of us... Yeah. I don't know why I said a lot of us. I mean, a lot of people that we know, but the three of us specifically, would have been preparing to go to Catalina Island off the coast of California, for those that don't know. Are you saying we would have been preparing to go on a cruise? Because boy, howdy. Yeah, bro. Yeah, you could, you could definitely say that. This is the first time in maybe six years, seven years, that I am not going to be on Catalina for the 4th of July. It's a little weird. Sad boys. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. This would have been the first time I would have been on Catalina ever. Well, not ever. But the first time for the 4th of July. And I'm not. So make some correlations. Do whatever causation, correlation crap you want to pull. But yeah. Coronavirus. <laughs> Steve's first time on the island. Uh, not really good. You've been saved from a terrible <laughs> fate, Steve. No, I'm just kidding. It's a fun trip. Uh, Perhaps some uh, other time. Don't tease me like that. Uh. <laughs> okay, so that's just a little bit of what would have been going on with us. But yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, get on with the episode recap. I'll be taking the the helm, as it were, to try and fake the fact that I don't know nautical terms. Start on <laughs> episode four, which, by the way, as of now, we are still sticking to like the actual numbered episodes. Um, at some point. I'm sure we will debate on whether or not to skip filler. That is still a ways away. So if that happens, we'll denote whether or not we have skipped a filler chunk of episodes or not. But right now we are on actual anime episode four, um, which cleverly enough, a translated title of it is Luffy's Pass Enter Red-Haired Shanks. So if you want some play-by-play, it starts off in actually kind of a weird place. So last time, for those of y'all who may have forgotten, we left Luffy and... Now Zoro sailing away on their little boat away from the town that was built around that marine base. And now they're just on their way doing their own thing. But we actually start off with uh, seeing snippets of the legendary immortal Buggy the Clown's pirate crew. Uh, They're sailing around doing some shenanigans. Then all of a sudden they come across uh, this boat with this girl. It looks like she's passed out. But yeah, it's actually Orange Hair Girl again, which I think we've already agreed did we already agree and just say that it's Nami? Can I just say it's Nami? Yeah, she eventually gets introduced later on in the in the episode, so why not? Okay. I'm just going to say Nami because you literally get introduced to her in one. We'll talk about her in like less than 
however many minutes it takes us to get there. But anyway, orange hair girl, Nami, basically looks like she's about to keel over on her own little little boat. And uh, said buggy pirates roll up to her and they're just like, oh man, you need some help? And then she's like, please, I beg of you, help me. You can take whatever treasure I have. And they're like, okay, this seems like a fair deal. But because... Nami's a huge trickster. They get on the boat, and then there's just a giant panda head jack-in-a-box inside her treasure box. And then all of a sudden, they turn around, and she's sailing away with their boat. They just got a catfish on the ocean. Is that how that works? I don't think so. But anyway, she gets playing with them. But uh, her whole play in the background is that she's trying to find a map to the Grand Line. And then she's trying to find... That's why she jumps on the buggy pirate's boat. So she goes off with them. But then, as we had said before, well, the anime is kind of keeping that through line of, like showing us what Nami's doing before the point where she might actually be introduced in the manga, but it's more or less what happens. Anyway, let me go back to Luffy and Zoro, and they're on their boat, and also dying of hunger, and then they also argue with each other for a little bit and realize that both of them are idiots and have no sense of direction, which more or less becomes Zoro's personality later on, but I feel like this is like the first time where we realize that, but he calls Luffy out for first. He's like, hey, wow, you want to be the Pirate King and you can't navigate? Like, I, don't, I don't know how that works. Please don't tell me that Zoro ends up as dumb as Luffy later on in the show. It's okay. There are... No, he... There's your he, he doesn't, but... His lack of a direction doesn't go away. And that is a, that's more of a running gag later on. I think it's more of an anime running gag than a manga running gag. But we'll get there when we get there. Regardless, neither of them know how to navigate. So it's not like a big spoiler. But then as they're, ha- they're caught in arguments and conversation, Luffy's hat blows away. And because technically we have not had a backstory for Luffy yet, you get your fade into backstory as like Zoro sees Luffy freak out about his hat almost blowing away and like using his rubber hands to catch it. He's like, oh man, this looks like a perfect time for a flashback. And there they go. I think actually Luffy doesn't tell this story to Zoro yet, or if he does, it's at a later point, could be wrong. But either way, because you, you, you flash back and we see Luffy when he's younger and he's in this bar in this town, which is actually close to the town where he more or less grew up in and there's all these pirates there he's sitting next to this real cool tall dude with long red hair and his name is shanks uh he's like the coolest guy ever and then he's just joking around drinking with his crew mates they're having a real good time and luffy really wants to join them because he's just a dumb kid who doesn't you know he thinks shanks is like the coolest guy ever and he's right but he wants to join them and they're just having a grand old time and Shanks is just messing with them. He's like, oh, you're too young to be a pirate, you know, like don't do anything stupid, blah, blah, blah. But these, you know, they're having a good time. And all of a sudden these like mountain bandit like losers come in the bar, but they're also like huge assholes because I guess people on land think they're better than people at sea, which I'll come back to that. But anyway, the bandits try to ha- haggle the bar owner for some booze, but they're like shit talking the pirates and the bar owner. Well, I think his friends with Luffy, but also Shanks, it's just like being nice about it. But it's like, oh, we sold we sold everything we had to the pirates because they were already here, man. But this guy is like salty about it and he kind of makes a mess. And Shanks tries to be cool about it. And he's like, hey, man, we bought everything, but I'll give you this cool bottle of wine. But the guy's like a dick about it. And he breaks the wine in his hand, which is like, one, a huge mess. And two, that really sucks because Shanks might have glass in his hand. But I don't know about that. Anyway, this guy makes a whole mess, and then Luffy's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, Shanks just doesn't do anything. He just kind of sits there and let this happen. But 
after these mountain like goobers leave the bar, all the pirates just start laughing. They're like, oh man, he got you, dude. And like all his crewmates are just like, wow, Shanks, he really gave it to you. And he's just laughing because at that point, I think he has the extreme Zen quality of just kind of realizing like, yeah, all these guys are just messing with him, like the mountain bandits. But they came in, they said their shitty piece and they left. He had no reason to get mad at it. That's why Shanks is the coolest ever. But Luffy, who's just kind of like, oh, man, y'all should stand up and like honor the integrity of pirates, quote unquote, is kind of just being like a goofy, salty kid in the background. And then conveniently placed is like now this like weird treasure box in the back that I guess Shanks had from his travels, which I don't know why you would just leave this laying around in a bar, but plot points. Uh, And in this box is the impetus for luffy's power that he has which is his it is his own gum gum fruit and then he just kind of he wants to spite shanks and i don't think luffy knows that it's like a, a devil fruit so he eats it and then shanks turns around and he's like oh you're just like eating your stress away and he's like wait what what are you eating wait you didn't eat the fruit in that box there and it's like yeah it's kind of corny but luffy eats a devil fruit and then Shanks is like, no, spit it out, you idiot. But then he's already digested it all really fast. And then, boom, he's turned into a rubber man. And he's like, well, you have devil powers now. But that also means you can't swim for the rest of your life. But that is also explained at another point, um, more or less. Anyway, despite that, the Shanks pirates are still hanging out in town for a while. And then at a different point, uh, we see cuts to Luffy then rushing through town and trying to attack the bandits and an effort to defend the honor of Shanks because he obviously looks up to him a lot because I guess at another point the bandits had come back to the bar and they uh, were continuing to talk shit and to an extreme level and Luffy just got mad because he's a kid and he has no bearings at that point so he's just doing what he thinks is right even if it's a little messy but then I think shoot what's the what's the bar lady's name it's not Makino is it or Makina that's not her name uh Masinko no it's not no I think it is um, I think it is Makino yeah okay I was like yeah Makino yeah but yes, that is like it's not, it's not, it's not. Yeah. Anyway, Machina, the bar owner, and then also the mayor of the town are like rushing to try and help Luffy because these bands are just assholes. But this country where Luffy lives is rather big. There's just not a lot of scale given to it till much later when we revisit it in a different backstory flashback. But that's that's at another date. <laughs> but yes. Uh, anyway, so like Luffy's trying to stand up for Shanks because he looks up to him a lot more. And I, as much as Shanks was just kind of like laughing it off before, there's some conflict and the bandits get real violent all of a sudden. And it looks like they're about to do Luffy in. But then Shanks and his crew show up. Shanks walks forward and the bandit leader is, you know, trying to be real cool. Like, don't step another step forward. Or I'll kill this kid. One of the, I guess, bandit flunkies comes up and points. I think he points a gun at Shank's head. He calls him out. He's like, so you're going to risk your life on it, huh? And then the bandit seems very confused. Like, what? He's like, yeah, you're going to risk your life. You know, point a gun's no joke. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the bandit looks very confused. But then he just gets capped in the side of the head by one of Shanks's crewmen who just comes out of nowhere faster than you thought, like right off screen. And then it's just like, basically he has a, uh, like, did you think this is a motherfucking game kind of moment? Shanks goes forward and then like, they beat the shit out of the bandits. And then he's about to save Luffy, but the bandit leader being a shitty mountain bandit has, uh, escape smoke. And he's just like, poof, bam, like I'm out of here. And then they're like, oh, God damn it. We lost Luffy. And then Shanks kind of has this moment of like stupidity to his crew. He's like, well, God damn it. We lost him. Now we have to find him. And he's like, and they're like, oh gosh, this guy. But it's clear that Shanks realizes that, you know, Luffy has good intentions and he doesn't want to screw him over. And he cares about him even as like 
a young subordinate, if anything. Evil mountain bandit man then takes Luffy out to sea as a hostage on like, again, a tiny boat. Everyone has little boats up to this point. Sans Shanks, they have, they have a big boat because they're big pirates, quite big pirates. And I'll just leave it at that for now. The bandit captain is going around like, oh, these motherfuckers would never expect a mountain bandit to head out to sea. And honestly, I would not have thought of that. Yeah, he makes this big deal of it. Like, oh yeah, why would this guy on a mountain go out to sea and... I think a lot earlier in the show, too, like, I'll sidetrack for a second. They make this point of, like, oh, like, people on the ocean are, like, ocean people, right? Like, pirates are pirates, the Navy and the Marines are the Navy. But people on land sometimes are seen as very oblivious. And it kind of goes to show, like, how disconnected the world can be. And I, I think early on in the show, too, when it's they're like, oh, devil fruits, these rumored magical things are like, oh, blah, 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 which even rewatching last time, I guess this isn't like a huge spoiler. It's just more like this will come. But, you know, the the that Captain Morgan guy, right? Like he's just a Marine captain. He's like pro- he's one of, you know, probably hundreds for how big the Marines are in this world. But he's like, oh, you have one of the rumored devil fruit powers. And it's like they're supposed to act like that. I think the way he writes is because like that's our first time seeing it as well. So it's like kind of a viewers perspective but when you stop back and think of it eventually there are like marine leaders and like higher ups in the ranks of the marines that also have devil fruit powers so it's kind of like how would you not know this if you were a marine like did you miss the meetings anyway so yeah (laughs) i thought that was kind of a weird thing that like some people are surprised by it and it's like yeah if you lived on this island because this is mostly just like water world island world where like not everyone is on the same tech level but that's kind of a sidetrack anyway i'll wrap this episode so then we they, everyone can share their thoughts on it too but uh yeah mountain man takes luffy out on this little boat and he's like oh they'll never think to find me here and then he's just like well fuck you kid and throws him in the water i don't know why he couldn't have just done that from the shore because i'm not sure if he also knew that luffy couldn't swim or he if he was just being an asshole but as he throws Luffy in the water, Luffy doesn't sink immediately, but he definitely can't hold a float. He's just barely holding above water. But a giant, let's say sea eel, or because they don't exactly say what this is in this episode. This, th- this giant creature is a certain being. There are many beings like this creature out at sea, but they do not say what it is in this episode. There are other giant things, but a giant sea monster basically comes and eats the bandit captain so he gets played but luffy then is there and then he's about to get eaten too but then thankfully out of nowhere shanks comes in and uh saves luffy not only does he save luffy but he intimidates the giant sea beast enough to the point that he scares it away which you know not too many spoilers again but that is actually explained later why he can do that yeah it's gonna I was going to say, I know that besides Devil Fruit, there's uh, other powers that people can have. Correct. I'm guessing that's part of that? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, fuck. We'll leave that on the table for now, but there are non-Devil Fruit powers as well, and Shanks has that. But yeah, he saves him, but at the sake of, unfortunately, Shanks has lost now his, I think it was his left arm, and it still makes him look really cool, because he was already wearing this really cool black trench coat. He's one of like five people who can make a trench coat look really cool, and now he just hides his, his missing arm under it, but he still has his other arm, and he's still like really cool dude. But yeah, he saves Luffy, and Luffy's just, you know, he's terribly sorry, and he's sorry Shanks lost his arm, but I think he realizes the weight of what happened. And uh, you see Shanks and his crew leaving town, and Shanks is still kind of shit-talking Luffy, like, hey, like, catch up to us when you're older, kind of a thing, like, oh, but you'll never get us. And Luffy's like, no, I'm going to be the Pirate King, blah, blah, blah. And Shanks is like, oh, okay, like, you think you think you're fit for it? And he gives Luffy his hat, which is Luffy's iconic straw hat, and that is where he got it, and that is the whole crux of the flashback, as in, like, why Zoro 
asked him, or Zoro was thinking, oh man, this hat is important to him. What's the deal with this? And that's how we kind of learn about that. That is the basis of Luffy's backstory for now. And yeah, that's not about it for the episode, but that's it for the flashback. That sort of passing of the torch idea that goes in there. And then after that, we cut back to present. And then we also see, I think the episode ends with Luffy and Zoro now back in the boat. And then, see here, I'm just looking at notes to make sure I don't get this wrong. I just watched this today, but you never know. Yeah, so Luffy and Zoro are back in their boat, and then they're still hungry, though. And Luffy sees a bird in the sky. He thinks it's just a seagull. It's like, let's let's get it and eat it, which I'm not even going to go all the way around and say why that might not work. But he uses his rubber arm powers, and he jumps into the sky. And then instead, the bird's like actually a giant bird, and it's just carries Luffy off and thinks it's a snack. Anyway, and then Zoro's just paddling after, but he also comes across the buggy pirates from earlier, uh, and they're just treading water, trying to find someone to help them. And then they get on the boat with Zoro, but they also then realize he is Zoro, and their effort to try and almost hijack him ends up with them just like rowing the boat to where they're all going. So everything's kind of starting to converge now. And then the episode ends with Nami, orange hair girl, uh, running away from buggy pirates on an island in which everything is going to start to pop off soon. And then it seems she has also gotten a map of the Grand Line. And then out of nowhere, because Buggy sees a big dumb bird in the sky that looks really weird, he tells one of his crewmates to shoot it down. Because yes, now we have met Buggy the Clown, one of the best characters in the show. He's just a real guy, but we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, he shoots down this bird and then Luffy comes spiraling down out of nowhere and more shit is about to pop off. And then I think this is actually the first episode that also says to be continued because the last couple said uh, Suzuku at the end, which just I mean, I think that's also how you say that in Japanese, but they actually have like that to be continued flash at the end. So there you go. I'll be the roundabout. Yeah, that one. Not quite the right anime but whatever could be could be that's for another podcast you know when when is that crossover gonna happen i know they did one with dragon ball z and some other anime oh i can't even imagine that (laughs) oh man but yeah so i guess i want to talk about my thoughts about that episode so it was a solid episode um the one thing that really got me and this is just from also reading the manga, as well as watching this episode over again. If you look at present day Luffy, you'll see a cut underneath his left eye. It looks like he has stitches on it and stuff like that. And they don't really tell you in the in the anime, like how he got that cut. So quick little side detail. And that's it goes back to before when Luffy and Shanks were all in the bar and stuff like that. That's before this. So anyways, Luffy was hanging out on Shanks' ship, and this is literally how the manga starts. And so it literally starts out with this kid, and he's like making this announcement. He's like, attention, attention, I'm going to become the greatest pirate that ever lived. I'm going to become the king of the pirates and gain the one piece. And in all the ship crew, like hearing that, they just start busting out laughing like belly laughs like this kid's hilarious like who the hell does he think he's gonna be the the pirate king Ugh, what a loser and so then this kid takes out like a small knife and he's like 
nah, I'm serious. I'm going to become the toughest person out there, the toughest pirate out there. And they're just still belly laughing and stuff like that. And next thing you know, they take this knife and he ends up cutting himself underneath the eye. Like you see like football players when they put like black ink across their cheeks or whatever like that. Well, that was Luffy with his knife across his left cheek underneath his eye. And they all stop laughing. Look at him like, you idiot. What the hell are you doing? Stop. <laughs> so they take him inwards in land to get him all stitched up and, and healed up and stuff like that. That's when it comes back into the bar and begins with the rest of the thing. But I just wanted to point out that little small detail that the anime didn't quite point out as well. But I think it's just neat to have no plot and stuff like that. So both of you guys watch more anime than me. I'm pretty sure. Is that just like a common shonen protagonist trope that I missed somewhere along the way? Because Naruto, no, just like injuring yourself intentionally, like specifically Naruto, like cuts his himself, stabs himself multiple times in like the first fifteen episodes. I mean, I thought half of that in Naruto is because he's getting out of like like uh, the the magic that the the, the what is it Genjutsu because that's all the mind tricks. Yeah, because that's how you wake yourself up from the Jedi mind tricks, right? Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. I don't know. A lot of people in Naruto just decide, "Fuck it." You know what I need to do right now? I need to toughen up. Stab. You see, even like animes like my hero academia like with deku and he's just like going all out and he's literally gonna destroy his body well, yeah but he's just an idiot though so that's the that's the thing though well that's that's kind of the same thing here like each of them are like trying to be tough and they're trying to follow this kind of standard maybe but yeah it's definitely like a t- it's like a i am tough i cut myself i am like resistant to pain like flex that's what it's supposed to be i think yeah what you're referring to with being on the ship and cutting himself that's part of romance dawn right i mean yeah i think it's in the first chapter when it's, it's a flashback it's not just romance dawn unless you mean like the first volume of the manga yeah it's it's definitely in the first chapter of the manga so i guess yeah it's technically part of romance dawn because i think the first chapter is called romance dawn okay yes well, yeah no i don't have too much to cover about the episode that we haven't already covered so i think it's a fun flashback I think it's still at a weird point, but I guess I get why they started on more of, you know, actually, maybe I'll draw that back. I don't actually know if I get why they started on Luffy meeting Kobe first versus explaining his hat a few episodes in because I think some action happens here in the first episode, but I guess it's not so far off. Like it's not 20 episodes later. Here's his backstory. So that's that. So that's fine. So actually, let me bring that back again then so in the manga is it just starting from a straight flashback or because he he didn't already meet zoro in the manga right like i'm assuming it starts with luffy meeting shanks i used to have the first volume a couple volumes somewhere but i have long since gotten rid of many of them i just read it all digitally now but i think he like shows the gold roger stuff and then it goes into the flashback yeah so in the manga what happens is that they have this little flashback to gold roger and it's literally like a couple of pages like you read like the pretext for a book sometimes like right before the title and it'll give like oh yeah this happened long ago in an ancient time and king arthur stabbed a sword into a stone whatever it's not even the right things, but whatever. But anyways, then it starts the title like One Piece. And so that was basically it with Gold Roger. And then it goes straight into Luffy on the boat, stabbing himself, straight into that flashback with Shanks and how Luffy got his devil fruit power. And then it flashes back to like 10 years after that moment. And he's like in the middle of the sea on a boat. And it's a little like dingy. And he's fighting 
like one of these sea creatures. Right. I was, I was going to make a point to say that too before we left off on this episode, but yeah, continue. Yeah, so he's fighting one of these sea creatures and he's just knocking the shit out of it. And he's like, ah, I'm relaxing and stuff like that. And I think he goes back to land and he's like, well, Makino, I'm going to go out and be a pirate. She's like, okay, good luck. They can't have this goodbye ceremony like, but the mayor's totally like, no, nah, we hate pirates in this town, so fuck them. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, well, goodbye. And he leaves off in this little dinghy. And he's literally sitting out on this on the sunset and stuff like that. And next thing you know, there's this whirlpool and he gets sucked up. Yeah. And then that's where it comes in with Lady Alveda back from episode one. Yeah. So it's not super out of order. It's just maybe they thought the whole Alveda thing was like a smaller thing they could cap off on. Because that's a shorter little, that's like a one episode thing right there kind of a thing. Yeah. So there you go. But that's uh that's the flashback. Now we now we have the basis of Luffy's backstory of his let's see his what are they what is what's this this like the the literary bullshit the the hero's call to action sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not an English major. <laughs> I guess literature. I don't think that's English, but yes. <laughs> literature English whatever yeah no I, every language has literature Steve <laughs> yeah if any of our listeners know then just like yeah, I, I think it's hero's call to action but yeah Luffy's inspiration let's say that is he wants to be a pirate he wants to be like Shanks who he looks up to even if there's that kind of like stupid macho tension between them it's like he sees Shanks as like a role model like you know he's like I want to be a great pirate like Shanks but also surpass him because I want to be the pirate king so there you go so yeah, we know we were drifting into the beginnings of Luffy clashing with Buggy the Clown. Do we have any more thoughts about episode four? Or are we solid on this Luffy flashback part one? Uh, I think we're good. Cool. I guess without further ado, we will move on to shenanigans with Buggy the Clown. So episode five, the title that has been given to me is Terrifying Mysterious Power, Captain Buggy the Clown Pirate. So this one picks up right where we left off in that. Nami encounters Luffy, and then all of a sudden she runs off and almost plays it off as calling Luffy her boss because she wants to get away from all these all these buggy pirates, right? Because they're chasing her, and she's like, aha, I can pin it off on this loser who just happened to appear right here out of nowhere, as Luffy is wanting to do. Of course, because Luffy, he's like, wait, I'm not going to take no shit. He just knocks these dudes out because they're a bunch of flunkies, right? And then uh, anyway, she noticed this, this happening in the background. And she comes back up when Luffy's knocked all these pirates out. And she's like, hi, I'm Nami. So there we go. Now we can just say she's Nami because I'm tired of saying orange hair girl. She's officially been dubbed Nami by the show. She is a, uh, a cat burglar or a thief, but she uh, oply steals some pirates. So naturally, uh, she suggests that her and Luffy maybe team up. But Luffy's hungry. And because he's a shonen character, he has to eat or he can't do anything. Um, but then Nami's like, no, I'll find you food. But then we also get a flash over to good old Captain Buggy himself. This badass motherfucker has a very almost like old school Navy Pirates of the Caribbean look to him where he's got like a goofy ass old pirate hat with like tassels on it and like a goofy striped shirt and like wooden clog looking shoes. And he's got a big old red round clown nose for a nose, which I actually don't know if that is ever explained throughout the entirety of the show as to why he has a clown nose, there's quite a lot explained about Buggy over time as I will just leave it here that he is a character that does continue on through the show in different ways. But 
Yeah, I don't know if his nose ever swelled. That was definitely something I was gonna ask you guys right now. Oh, there you go. Yes, I'll, I'll I'll leave that just flat on the table. Nothing else about it. But Buggy will make a return, and that is all that I'll say about that for now. But his uh, his his whole crew, I guess, because he's leaned into his clown bit so hard, is also kind of like a like a circus crew. It almost seems like, and I think that's kind of cool. How like many of the pirate crews in this show, as we will meet more in the future, also like lean into their whole gimmicks and like themes. That's like whatever the captain is usually. Like one example is a crew that we meet later in a major arc. Let's say that sweets and uh, snack foods are a big overarching theme there as so many characters and even powers they have are almost based around certain aspects of that. So just that's just one vague but notable example that I can think of off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, I think that's something the show does rather well. And you can even see that here. It's like, Buggy's got his old clown and circus crew going. So anyway, he's interrogating some of his guys, and he's like, yo, what the hell, man? Why'd you let this Nami chick escape with this map? And this, his one of his crew members just like, oh, I'm sorry, Buggy. And, you know, he's just intimidating leader, but he's, you know, dishing out punishment as it's due because, you know, his property was stolen. And he almost hears things that he, like, weren't said or that he maybe thought he heard someone say to, like, give him an excuse to beat them up. And he's like, what did you say about my red nose? And the guy clearly didn't say it. But it's just kind of funny the way that it translates out to. And you see him about to punish his crew member and then it kind of flashes away, making him seem a bit ominous, but like a stern leader, at least in that sense, even if he's just like a goofy guy. Anyway, then we flash back over to Nami Luffy, and uh, they're in a random house, which at first, it almost makes it seem like Nami broke into the house, which technically she did, but then she also explains that this town that Buggy's crew is kind of, like, occupied has been terrified away from them, so I'm sure they're all, like, hiding somewhere in the mountains or, like, somewhere close by, but most of the houses in the area that they're in, in this new town that they're at, are actually kind of empty, but then Nami actually kind of gives Luffy some tidbits about her, her first major bit is that right now her goal is to get 100 million uh so i'm gonna say belly berries but i'm pretty sure it's berries but because japanese there's no way to say r or l usually like it's like a middle ground it's what you call liquid consonants and i'm not going to give a whole lesson on that either way she's worth the 100 million dollar basically or that's what she's looking for and then she luffy asks why and she says no but she wants to go to the grand line because that's where all the crazy good shit is and she wants money that she can get from there but because luffy realizes wait you're looking for a map can you navigate and she's like well yeah i'm actually a pretty good navigator probably better than someone else you could find out there and luffy's like great you're gonna come with me and she's like what the fuck no i don't work for pirates And Luffy's like, no, who cares? You're coming with me. And then she's like, look, there's a lot of things I like in this world and pirates aren't one of them. But she also notes that she she wants money and treasure and she wants tangerines. And that's actually something we'll get to in the future as well. For the moment, they decide to kind of mildly team up because she has this idea in which she's going to use Luffy as bait to get the buggy. So she ties up Luffy and then they play the whole like, I've caught the victim thing. She takes in the buggy and then she makes it seem like even though Luffy was her boss, as far as they know, she's going to ditch him now and bail on him. And Buggy's like, hmm, okay, sure, why not? Because he's just kind of maybe a little more of a brick face, a brickhead, you might say, than he appears to be. So she gives Luffy over to Buggy and then Buggy puts Luffy in this weird cage and then she also gives the map back for now. But then Buggy's like, you know what? I'm buying it. Cool. Like. That's enough of a trade back, right? 
to her knowledge, or at least in her head, she's like, okay, he's buying this bit that I'm putting on here. So I'm going to slow down and kind of just roll with this for a minute, you know, party with these pirates and see if I can steal the map back when they're uninhibited. But at a certain point then, in the twist of fate, Buggy uh, offers her one of uh, his many clown tricks, which is this device called a buggy ball, which is pretty much just like a wild ass cannonball that like blows things the heck up. Luffy has deflected bullets and maybe even a cannonball before, but this is a whole big old explosive. This ain't going to work like that. And while she is then irked on or uh, egged on, I could say, by Buggy and his crew to shoot Luffy with this buggy ball. is like, all right, you're getting rid of your boss. So it's like, you know, like denounce your old leader and then like stay with us kind of a thing. You know, because they think she's totally done with him. But then she feels bad because she's like, wait, I just wanted to play these guys. I'm not trying to get rid of Luffy, even if she, you know, at the moment isn't sure if she's going to go with him. But yeah, then Buggy's also talking a lot of shit about how he wants to conquer the Grand Line and, you know, go there and stake his own mark. And Luffy's like, nah, dog, I'm going to do that. And he's like, wait, what? But yeah, so he loads this cannon up for Nami and she's like, you know what? Renounce your boss. He's talking stupid. And then... Nami is clearly having a conflict of interest, but is also a bit scared because though she is a burglar and has committed crimes, taking a life is not something that she may have been ready to have been presented with at this point. We focus in on her definitely shaking and hesitating, and Luffy stares at her and kind of just calls her out. Um, says that, you know, this isn't a game. Even if you don't agree with either of us, like don't don't question the resolve of pirates kind of a thing. After some internal conflict, we first see her start to physically, with her hands, stop the... Um, fuse. What's the... Fuse. There we go. That's the one. Try to stop the fuse with her own hands, and it mostly works, but as she's about to be attacked, out of nowhere, thankfully, to say the Zoro shows up, and then good stuff starts to happen, and then he starts to fight some of the buggy pirates. All of a sudden, buggy's like, wait, Zoro, you're that pirate hunter dude, right? Which... Zoro delves into his own backstory at some point, but as most people know the name, they just think, wait, Zoro, Pirate Hunter? Hmm. And then Nami also kind of knows that name. And she's like, wait, why is this guy with Luffy? He's a Pirate Hunter, quote unquote, right? And then everyone starts to kind of like pop off. I think Nami also knocked out one of the guards, and that's like what set this whole thing off too. Yeah. Uh, I think I may have done that out of order, but that's okay. Either way, everyone's, everyone's popping off. So Nami, the dude... Just comes up and snatches the matches out of her hand so he can just light the cannon right. himself. And then Nami just whips off like these pieces of this big ass staff that she has like on her leg or something. So she just grabs the three pieces, puts it together out of instinct and just like yes. immediately beats the shit out of him. And then she's like, oh, uh, I didn't mean to do that, which is some like weird. I don't know what kind of energy that is, but, you know, she tries to get away with that. It just does not happen. And then that's when Buggy decides, hey, you know what? Do it or we're going to kill you. Yeah, I left out that little point. But regardless, she's put in this situation where she almost has to light the fuse or, you know, accept death, as it were. Anyway, that all leads to that. But yeah, Zoro shows up at this almost highly tension-breaking moment and he saves the day. For the moment, but Buggy jumps in. He's like, all right, I'm going to try and fight this guy. It looks like Zoro has the upper hand. He cuts him in half, right? Because this guy just falls to pieces. But then, dun, 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 you turn around and then Buggy's head is just floating in the background. And then the rest of his body follows suit. And then you also realize that Buggy is also a devil fruit user. He ate the Barabara no Mi or the chop fruit. So he can basically split his body in part. 
take note, by the way, that at this point, the devil fruits we have seen are all like ones that affect what your body does in terms of like, I don't want to say body modification, but like Luffy stretches, Buggy can break in pieces. So there you go. There are different types of devil fruits and that is all explained later, but I figured we'd just note that for the sake of, so Luffy and Buggy are similar in that sense. Speaking of how similar they are, I love that Luffy, in the uh, the dub, he just says, oh, he's a chop man or something like that. But in the sub, he's like, he's a monster. But like both times, it just like has like a little box captioning him, just pointing at Luffy saying, rubber boy yeah no that, that that's a good little point definitely it points out the humor of it almost because luffy's like oh that guy's also a big weirdo like what the hell but it's like the weirdo calling the weirdo so that's a funny point they did i don't i don't know if the manga does that i forget but yeah so zoro realizes that he almost might be up against something a little different than he was ready for but before he even has a chance to turn around uh he's quite literally knifed in the back by buggy because buggy's an asshole and luffy's like hey you don't fight fair but then he's just like wait zoro just run and then i think zoro understands what he's talking about he starts to distract buggy and he's like hey you don't fight fair you big nose and buggy gets like salty as hell because that's like his his weak point like don't make fun of his nose even though he's super like clown he buys into it and then they relight the fuse as the fuse and the cannon go off the episode cuts so a lot more concise and short in this one but there's clearly more action happening so there you go what y'all think of this one i do like just that point at the end where zoro lifts the cannon and nami one of many times i'm gonna assume because it happens a lot in this episode alone just like just like stares at luffy and zoro and basically just thinking like what the fuck is wrong with these people But yeah, and then Zoro ends up uh, lifting this heavy-ass cannon and flipping it just to aim at the pirates who uh, just like immediately lose their shit like, oh, oh, we're fucked. Yeah, that was, that was one thing I also forgot to mention. So like the whole reason that the, ca- the cannon got relit was Zoro was like, no, nah, screw this. He flipped it over on the other side. So it pointed at the pirates and they were like, wait, what? We can't turn this over that fast. And then boom. Yeah, man. Like, cut. <laughs> I love the animation this like granted the animation was like in these early 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 episodes is pretty clunky but this one was just like when buggy first lit the buggy ball and just let loose it was like holy shit this is uh pretty dangerous i have to admit that depiction that the animators put in was so kablooey like you see those comics and stuff like that it wasn't just like a normal cannonball like, this thing destroyed half the town. This is crazy. I guess I also can't add to the zaniness of Buggy. Like, this character is, like, this character shouldn't be taken as a serious character. Like, he's just a, a weirdo, <laughs> for lack of better terms. But yeah, it's definitely a, a killer episode. Definitely gets your interest ready for, like, what's going to happen next and what to expect in the craziness, I guess, of One Piece. A couple of times, Slash, you've mentioned how... uh the arcs just like are very fast paced and stuff like that. Like the fillers kind of just running around for whatever reason. I kind of just didn't remember how fast you get to buggy in this. Yeah. Like this is pretty, this is definitely moving at a fast clip as yeah. fast as you can say about a anime with 900 something episodes. Yeah. 9:30 now. Right. I think East blue as a whole, because those are like very much like shorter little segments those move a lot faster so like getting to the beginning part really isn't that bad i want to 
to say. Because again, it's like the final like smaller arc that's in this whole like East Blue segment that we're going through of them like still trying to get to the Grand Line. That one is a little longer, but that's there's a significant amount of like backstory yes. to an important character at that point. And it's like a more or less a climax to like them like eventually moving off together to go to the Grand Line. Yeah. But we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, Buggy and like some other smaller parts in the beginning like this where we're still getting introduced to characters. It's like I think it's pretty short and sweet and they keep it pretty concise, which is kind of how the manga does as well. There are definitely arcs later that like, though they are long and fun, there's some long ass arcs later on. But I think it's just how the style transitioned and that's just like how Oda ended up writing in the future. But um, yeah, er early on, it's definitely pacing. Go ahead, Steve. When you're reading the manga and you're you're reading these first chapters and whatnot a lot of it is really well paced like it goes at consistent speed but yeah this anime like these first few episodes goes by extremely quick and i think the reason for that is because the manga came out in 97 and the anime came out in 99 so probably by that time they already had at least 150 chapters of manga i would say about 150 don't quote me on that, but I'm um, just guesstimating. And so at that point, they're like, oh, man. I'm definitely going to track down that exact number just to say, fuck you, Steve. I'm actually curious now where the where the manga was in, in 99 at that point. Here from the future. I did check. It is 92. Yeah, but whatever. But anyways, like when you're an animator and and you see that there's as many chapters, you could probably pick up the pacing a little bit to catch up. However, some of it does come back in one piece later on with some of the the timing and stuff like that like some of the timing is a little iffy in some cases in some of the later episodes but for the most part definitely does play out effectively and successfully i would say yeah no overall i think at least early on the pacing is easy in terms of like there are a lot of tiny arcs like this like couple episodes which i think again yeah because when you have some source material to grind out first you can kind of take that at whatever pace you want so they probably had not that those arcs were these like mini arcs as they were of like short events centered around certain characters were super long in the manga either but it makes it at least easy i think as a jumping point and again to uh, my main thing i was going to mention to point out where is like yeah our first shot of pirates it's like alvita she's kind of goofy it's almost like she's like a gag character not completely but it's like oh, okay this is a pirate but like when you meet shanks you know it's like oh no this is a pirate and like his crew and then buggy is in a similar boat which is well actually quite literally a similar boat because he also has a big old like big boy ship too and actually it's kind of funny that they both appear more or less in the same like string of like close episodes but we'll get to that at another point as to why that's funny still it's like you start to see more like oh this is what like actual pirates are and like they're how they're different factions with different there's no rule book essentially on being a pirate which i mean i guess that's the point of pirate stories right it's kind of like make your own rules and that's where you get all these like warring factions with different ideals and stuff it's uh more guidelines yeah yeah something something pirates of the caribbean which when you think about it pirates of the caribbean is just disney's one piece but there you go you heard it here first folks you heard it here first disney has ripped off how could they <coughs> fuck <coughs> yeah i i i think this the strength there is like when you start to see more crews and like crazy powers and weird stuff going on and how like everyone's trying to get to the grand line and like 
everything that's going on now. It's it's interesting, but I think that's you definitely start to feel a little more pulled in. At least it, it attempts to pull the viewer or the reader in at that point with different events. So like everyone, despite having these smaller conflicts, has this goal of like if I'm not at the Grand Line, I'm trying to get there. And then, you know, once they're there, it's you know what's their goals when they're there. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's uh, move on to the last episode for tonight, I guess. This definitely feels a little easier tonight, but I think that's because we things are starting to flow. But so our, our final episode of the night, episode six, an episode that when I watched it, I actually forgot how much I enjoyed like the little bits in here. Desperate situation, beast tamer emoji versus Luffy. So we pick right back off where we left off with the cannon blasting. So the cannon goes off, and you see how it's like quite destructive. But that gives them a split second for Zoro to jump away with Luffy in his cage, and then Zoro and Nami push away and Zoro Nami's just like what the fuck is this guy's problem why is he so like determined to save Luffy because Zoro is like injured he has his stab wound from Buggy still because they're like literally just running away and he's just like trying his all to get Luffy's stupid cage down to the street so Luffy can just kind of like roll it himself they get down finally Buggy's like how, how dare we let these like three idiots make fools of us we have to get revenge on them he calls one of his henchmen who just happened to not be around when they were all like poking fun of luffy in the cage and it's this guy named moji and he rides a giant lion and he's like a beast tamer because circus theme Zoro keeps pushing luffy's cage out through the town for a while um and eventually he needs to take a break because his wound is just getting to him despite him always pushing through his limits and eventually they stop and they see this goofy ass looking dog which um, I don't know why Luffy and Zoro have like a tendency to just come across weird dogs, but this is not the same dog as they had met that was terrorizing the town in the weird marine village. This is more of like a a small but like butt face looking angry <laughs> puppy um, who is just chilling at first. Um, but Luffy's like, "Hey, hey, what are you doing?" But he pokes it, and the dog just keeps trying to like mess with Luffy. But anyways, like ah, whatever. It's just a dog. He's sitting by this like pet shop what he's doing here but he's just chilling nami's like all right i'll help you guys a little bit she drops the key on the ground for the cage because she ended up stealing it from buggy because she's that's just thieves that's what she does and um because of course it does the dog happens to eat the key i don't know if that's a reference to pirates of the caribbean or if that's just bad luck and anyway luffy's like what the hell you stupid dog you and he's just like arguing with the dog and blah 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 but then this old man comes out of nowhere and she's like, hey, hey, leave Choo Choo alone. Or Shushu, however they pronounce it. And Shushu is the dog's name. But then the mayor is like, hey, hey, calm down, calm down. And then it turns out that this guy who runs up, this old dude who's in like this weird wooden armor. He has like a weird like Victorian era wig on. And he's just got crazy ass hair with that. And he comes out of nowhere and he's just like, oh, geez, like, you guys got hurt by Buggy too, huh? And then he looks at Zoro's wound and gets him tended to. And he comes back to where the dog and Luffy are in the cage. And then he just, he's like, oh, you haven't eaten yet. And he says to the little dog, Chushu. And he's just like, okay, okay, we'll feed you. So he goes into the pet store and gets some food and he feeds the dog. He actually gives Luffy this explanation. He's like, look, the uh, dog's chilling here because I'm actually friends with the owner of this pet store. But then he also reveals this very sad fact that the owner of the pet store has died and the dog has been waiting here to protect the store for like a couple weeks now, I think he's saying. or I forget if it was weeks or months, but regardless, this dog is just protecting this store because he, think, he knows his owner is gone. 
and even if he realizes that his owner is gone, he's protecting it because it's like that's his treasure, right? As the mayor goes away to help Zoro for a bit, Beast Tamer Moji guy comes up. Luffy is still stuck in the cage, but the mayor and Nami just leave his ass as soon as they hear like these giant fucking steps. Right. They leave because they're like they don't know what's gonna happen. They don't want to get taken out with this this guy riding like a massive lion. I'm talking about like the size of a house lion. I don't know where this came from, but there's giant beasts in this whole One Piece world, so that's just a thing. Like Luffy makes fun of him because he's also wearing a weird circus suit. Or at least that's what Luffy thinks. But he just says it's his hair, so question. Yeah. Yeah, but Luffy's always calling people out. He just he calls it like he sees it. The beast tamer guy is like, oh, I'm not afraid of a tiny little dog. I can tame any beast. He comes up and then Chuchu he he bites him in the same way. Which is kind of like, that's obviously like the goofy little gimmick. Like, of course, he's not going to tame this dog who already like couldn't interact with our main character at first. But then you get this really sad moment of the lion starting to beat up the dog. Actually, wait, no, it did that in the wrong order. So the lion jumps out. He actually tries to go for Luffy because Luffy is still talking shit in the cage. Like, hey, leave the dog alone and stuff. And then um, he uh, happens to burst Luffy out of the cage. So we now technically no longer need the dog. But in the events of that, that punches Luffy away for a second because he still had to take the hit of that in the cage. And he's actually trying to find Zoro because he thinks Luffy's just some goober at first. The mayor and Nami find him and they're like, oh shit, you're alive? You just got a house fall on you because you got punched into it. And he's like, yeah, what? why shouldn't I be alive? Or like, is there a problem with being alive? And I think he just took that question the wrong way because of course to him, he's like, yeah, I'm alive. And they're like, wait, how'd this guy survive a house falling on him that he got punched through? But as this is happening, they're like tending to Luffy for a second. The uh, dog is taken aback and has to fight against the lion. And of course, because he is just completely outmatched, the dog gets like completely beamed over. And it's the worst thing ever because you start to see this flashback of like, he knows the lion is going to attack the pet store. But you get this like very sad, but like heartwarming flashback of the dog just spending time with his owner and like the connection he had with this owner. And this character, this dog, has said absolutely nothing, but in an effort of, like, show, don't tell, which I think is always strong, you have this, like, short but sweet little backstory for this doggo who just wants to protect the store that his owner used to have. And uh, the reason his owner is gone is because he had some kind of illness, not because, like, Buggy got him or something. So it's been a little bit since he died. I don't know how long Buggy's been occupying the town, but that's that's just Buggy things. But yeah, you, you get this very, like, somber backstory of... Like, this dog had an owner, and the owner took care of him, you know, good times, etc. But at a certain point, the owner was like, I'm going to go away for a while, shoot, shoot, but you protect the store, okay? In his effort to just say, like, oh, man, like, he's he knows he's got some disease or something like that, and he's just going to bite the bucket. The dog is just that compelled to save the store. But it's just like, whatever happens, like, that's that's my memories, that's my, that's my treasure sort of a thing. It's a simple, loyal pet narrative, but I think it's cute and effective, and really well the fucked up part of that is that we see those uh fun happy moments with the owner in between scenes of just like the dog being bashed the fuck up by richie the lion and just like oh i love you shushu say that slowly lion richie lionel richie yeah oh shit ah <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> ah <sighs> God damn it. It's like that in Japanese, too. There you go. I hope everyone caught that. If no one caught that before, there you go. But the, the lion's <sighs> name is Richie, so it's, it's, it's Lion or Richie. So there you go. God damn it. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, this guy's... The, the swordsman's name is Zoro. 
Like, I mean, that that one's anyway. pretty obvious. Anyway. Um, God damn it. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, fuck. I don't know who caught that. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so Dog tries to fight uh, Lionel Richie for a little bit. I'm just going to say it like that now. And then, unfortunately, Dog gets owned, which is very sad. And then Luffy shows up. He sees the house all beat up. And he's like, that's the dog's treasure. And naturally, Luffy then finds Moji and Richie, who beats the shit out of both of them. Because he's like, what the hell? Like, you you stopped this dog's dream. Like, you just wanted to protect this old owner's house. He also shows off his a different attack that we hadn't seen yet called a gum gum hammer, where he twists his arms in like a big knot. Or like, it looks like almost like a spring in a spiral. And then he just uses that to do like a massive like drop throw on the lion beats the crap out of emoji he's like hey why would you do this to a nice little dog who just trying to protect its owner's like last memories like you asshole yeah so nami and the mayor go back to the dog as well but then luffy comes back and then he has the last box of dog food that lionel richie was trying to eat but he took it from him and he gave it back to choo-choo and was just like hey here you go and then I think there's a bit of an acknowledgement at the end there. And it's just like, he's like, good luck, little doggo. And he, the dog barks, but it's more like a reaffirming bark at this point. When Luffy arrives, Nami's just like trying to pick a fight with him. Just because like, oh, all pirates are the same. All they do is destroy things. Fuck these guys. And Luffy walks up. She's like, mm. I wish you had fucking died. And then she just like ignores him. It's like, why don't you just kill me? Because you can't. And then he gives Shushu the, uh, the pet food. Nami just yeah. like looks at that kind of like a light in her eyes and you know maybe she's changing her opinions on pirates maybe she's not yeah no there's definitely like now we do eventually find out where nami's disdain for piracy comes from because like obviously kobe who we met before he is you know he's more like this kid's like i want to join the marines i want to bring justice to the sea cops and blah 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 as short-sighted as that may be considering where things go in both one piece world and real world but you know he, he's got good intentions where those good intentions go you know we'll see but nami and her disdain for pirates comes from like a very different place whereas like again like or the reason i brought up kobe was like obviously if he wants to join the marines it's like his perception of right versus wrong there's even if there's not much to it it's like that's his perception but with nami where even though she's a burglar likes to steal treasure there's still much to learn about her so there's points when we get there but she does say in these episodes, like, hey, pirates killed someone very important to me. And that's like one of the reasons why she doesn't want to be a pirate, doesn't want to be associated with pirates. Mm. Okay, well, there we go. Well, yeah, we'll leave that for what it is. because Those are important points for later. But yes, so not Nami has a clear disdain for pirates, but Luffy and the way that he like leads his life and holds his actions presents, I guess, at least a different viewpoint for her. In the sense that she's like, it's almost like the, huh, are all pirates maybe not the worst people ever? It softens her up enough that she's like, okay, I'll at least see what happens with this dude. And she apologizes for yelling at him, surprisingly. And he just, like, obviously he still wants her to be his navigator. But the mayor is also quite frustrated at the fact that, like, Luffy is putting in all this work and, like, Nami's even trying to see it the other way. And, like, even the little doggo Choo Choo is just like, oh, man... Like, he tried to fight off this lion, even though it was clearly a losing battle. And, like, he, everyone's trying to protect the town but him. And he just feels like he's been doing a terrible job as the mayor. So, he's like, you know what, fuck it. Like, I want to go and try and fight Buggy. And then he runs off. While, you know, Nami's apologizing and stuff like that, 
Moji has asked completely beat gets to buggy and it's like, yo, I couldn't do it. And buggy is just like, how the fuck would you let Zoro beat you? And then Moji's like, nah, man, it was, it was that one dude with the straw hat. And before he's actually able to say, Hey, he's got some devil fruit powers. He just like passes out. And then roughly around this time is when buggy decides, fuck all of these people. And he just keeps firing buggy balls. And this one hits the mayor's house where Zoro was. So like everyone just thinks that Zoro's dead and stuff like that. Even Luffy, who's like the seemingly perpetual optimist. And this is like the main thing that I saw that kind of makes me like start to question whether or not Zoro and Luffy might have more in common than I thought. Zoro's just like, man, I wish I got more sleep. Fuck this. Basically ignoring the entire fucking blown up house rubble all around him. Yeah, that's how that comes back up, but... It's also that thing where it's like Zoro's clearly like strong main character type as well, or a strong part of the cast. And then even like Nami, Nami and both the mayor are just like, oh man, is he dead? He just wakes up and he's like, yeah, I didn't sleep enough. What the fuck? And then they're just like, excuse me, like, sir, you also had a house drop on you. What the hell? And uh, either way, they both, they both eventually catch up. And then the mayor ends up at the base of one of, Buggy's like not exactly circus tent fortress, but like kind of circus tent fortress. And he's like talking shit, and he's like, "Yo, dude, you better get the fuck out of this town." Blah blah blah. I'm the mayor. Like, what you got? And then Buggy uses which earlier I didn't even mention this when Buggy's uh is first shown on screen in the previous episode, and then like he's chastising one of his pirates for like letting Nami getting away. It makes it look like he does like a force choke thing, kind of move, and like picks up this guy and it's just like tormenting him he's like what the hell man but they don't show his hand detaching from his body and i think that's more of just a way of them like being coy about what is going to go on but at this point buggy makes his hand like his right hand detach and like do the same thing to the mayor and like pick him up by like the scruff of his shirt like the neck of his shirt and he's just like all right what's what you gotta do like you're here you think you can actually fight me but then obviously because our heroes have to show up to save the day luffy jumps in at the the last second right as buggy's about to shoot off another ball and the mayor is like calling out his bluff and challenging him and then luffy grabs buggy's floating hand and he's like not so fast and i think that's where our episode ends i think oh the only point that i i think i left out was that before that um as the mayor is running off as the heroes are united nami agrees to at least follow their common goals together for the time being even if she's still not fully cool with pirates but i think even if she's not cool with pirates she's cool with whatever luffy is doing up to this point so she doesn't see him as someone that's going to steer her wrong as of now so there we go and now luffy's about to challenge buggy that is where the episode cuts off with our good old to be continued so what do you guys think of this as the action builds up what a way to start for the next scene in which luffy will start taking on buggy or so we think honestly it's a really good episode yeah it shows a lot of emotion like throughout this the show you really just like oh Kind of like more slapstick kind of like comedy. Like, ah, ha, 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 this guy's an idiot. But like, it really shows that Luffy has some depth to him. He has some more character. And that's what I liked about what Oda did with Luffy. He kind of gave him more character, much more of a heart. Yeah, I have to agree. And then, like, this is where you also start to see like different sides of characters where like maybe Zoro, not so much. You'll see different sides of Zoro later. He's definitely just like big, strong goof more so at this point who does cool shit. 
when he needs to, but Zoro gets more. But Luffy definitely, because Nami's like definitely got her own secret agenda at this point, you see how she becomes affected by Luffy's often very like forward but earnest sense of like right and wrong. And, you know, like despite messing around with this dog it kind of being his own like form of a blockhead like luffy also recognizes like okay this dog was actually guarding this house or this this pet shop because his owner used used to be there like even if the dog has accepted fate you know he wants to protect what he has because it's just part of the town if it can still be there and you know seeing other people with disregards for hopes and dreams or you know as corny as it is that's like you know that that's that that's not the biz so like, luffy is quick to act and help others in that sense and i think nami can see that as like a point of earnesty even if like his true goal is piracy and being free to live his life the way he wants to yeah i I think this episode definitely goes into strong points like that and just like even the like i mentioned with the dog chuchu's backstory too like super forgettable in certain aspects but also like when i was watching i was like oh yeah this is like a little tiny cute thing that happened like there are plenty of other like down-to-earth somber moments of like backstory in one piece like this over time and like much stronger ones too but i think this is a nice like early example of trying to show like some evidence where it's like yeah of course it would make sense that like the story of like oh dog is protecting old home even if owner is gone like that's not an outlandish concept like even if it's yeah a little corny but like showing us some shots of like the dog with the owner just having a good time like yeah we, we have no idea who the owner is but it doesn't matter who the owner is what matters is the relationship that he had with or that the dog had with him so you get those little snippets but i think i think because you know not everyone has had a pet but that concept of like yeah you know like that that's a common i guess like a trope i guess you could say or that's a kind of like writing device like in like media or you would show you know it's like oh like that happens in real life you know like pets who are well taken care of you know, will obviously be attached to their homes or like their owners. And if their owner goes away, it's like, that's, you know, like dealing with loss, I guess is what you, if you want to get real, if you want to attempt to try and be deep about it, but at its core, it's just like, yeah, it's just sad. So it's just many more moments like that in one piece, but that's like definitely scratching the surface of it. So I think that's cool that we see that here, but yeah. And then of course, now we see things getting left off on cliffhangers of like what action happens next. Yeah. Now that you talk about sad uh something i guess you can kind of just gloss over if you don't think about it when you do that dog's like purpose in life is just like gone though right kind of like what what is the dog going to do now i don't remember if the dog shows up again but like yeah it's everything that he's been doing for like at least the last few months if not like his whole life is just like gone yeah there's some form about that yeah his his loved one his only loved one is gone and there's something a little sad about it but it reminds me of another story like a true life story where i think this is in china or japan or something like that but there's this businessman and he had this dog who always waited for him at the train station when he got home one day he didn't get back and he and the dog just waited there for like five ten years or something like that but i know it's a the story but it just kind of reminds me of that story and it's like oh man the dedication that this dog had i think that's where luffy also draws his powers he's that kind of good person on the wrong side of the law yeah i'm gonna help people even though i'm a pirate i'm gonna be a good pirate though 
And so that's kind of a, a motif you see throughout One Piece. Yeah. Uh, that goes to show, though, that it's like, yeah, loyal pet. Any Most people can understand that as like a storytelling device. So, you know, showing that here, it's like, you're not, you, no one's not going to get a few tears welling up over, you know, a sad story of a pet waiting for its owner kind of a thing if the owner's gone, so. Yeah, no, you see plenty of other sad stories like that as One Piece. Sad, sad but like heartwarming stories as, as One Piece continues on. That's pretty much it for this episode, I guess. Steve, do you have anything you want to plug? Twitter, something else? Well, my Twitter hasn't changed from last week. It's uh, still Steve with a capital S, Horniak with a capital H, H-R-N-Y-A-K, and no spaces, so that's just Twitter. Okay, uh, Slash. I am... On the internet, Roblink, R-A-W-B-L-I-N-K, on just about everything. Uh, Twitter and or Instagram are usually good places to follow me as those are like my more open spaces of social media. Also, when I'm not talking about One Piece or shitposting and maybe also talking about serious things on Twitter, I am uh, streaming video games. I'm trying to be more consistent about that. I do that on Wednesday and Sunday nights at this point. And uh, yeah, it's twitch.tv slash Roblink same old thing um i have those links in pretty accessible places so stop on by if you not only enjoy one piece but you also enjoy old video games so there you go uh you can find me on most social media places at the username at el tubacabra that's e-l-t-u-b-a-c-a-b-r-a during an earlier break i made a twitter and gmail for this podcast now that we finally have a name (laughs) so you can email us if you want at reluctant cruise at gmail.com reluctant cruise is also our handle on uh twitter so yeah ask us things yeah so that's all the pluggables ask me things yeah you can reach out to us when you want preferably about one piece but i guess theoretically about anything we'll try and answer please mostly do one piece though (laughs) yeah with one piece yes we'll probably definitely answer but so that's us shit's still fucked up you know as we said in the last episode and the episode before that, just, you know, black lives matter, black lives still matter. That's true. In case you forgot. Justice for Breonna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky. Justice for Elijah McClain in Aurora, Colorado. And Robert Fuller in Palmdale, California. That's kind of very close to all of us. Michael Hickson in Austin, Texas. Cornelius Fredericks in Kalamazoo, Michigan, who was a 16-year-old boy that like a week or two before George Floyd died from guards at some sort of juvenile correctional facility, just like being on top of him. So, you know, Jesus, wow, I didn't hear about that. that's very, uh, yeah, no, they, they like dogpiled him because he like threw a sandwich during lunchtime or something and they killed him wow. in a similar manner to George Floyd. I know that they recently, arrested i think they arrested him i need to look it up at the very least they fired whatever guards they had i'm pretty sure uh yeah i looked it up again Mm. but yeah no it's shit's not the best and you know justice for george floyd and uh yeah fuck the sea cops fuck the sea cops the common thread theme throughout all of one piece is fuck the sea cops even the cool ones that shoot lasers out of their hands which we'll meet them later yeah fuck them too you can interpret us very heavily saying fuck the sea cops however you want. If you choose to extrapolate that into real life, uh, <laughs> we're not going to tell you no. But yeah, keep hanging on the cruise, I guess. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
Don't go on any cruises this weekend, though, if you live in a major city area like California or Texas, because to continue to keep a real segment of this podcast, uh, COVID cases are also spiking. So, hey, just be safe. We're still in a pandemic. Wear a fucking mask, you goddamn shitters. There you go. Not that anyone who listens to this podcast doesn't wear a mask. This is a big brain podcast. Everyone's already wearing a mask as they're listening to this, so it's yeah. fine. But I have to say it anyway. Sooner or later... We will record in masks. Maybe not, because I don't know how that audio quality will shake out with that. But yeah, just just wear a fucking mask. All of this shit that we're complaining about would probably end a lot faster if everyone just wore a mask and stayed the fucking side instead of going around all the time. Think about others. You know, that is what it is, I guess. Yeah, think about others. Yeah. Yeah. Protect others, like Luffy would. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it for us. It is. Fuck the sea cops. Stay on the cruise. trying to get a feel like I can pony up and do it. And next time we come, we're going to have some amazing times and uh, we're going to keep going on with the cruise. So that go ahead and take us out. I, I, I just tried to do that like two or three times. We will. No, you, you, when he says that, then you cut that to music, but it's fine. So yeah, uh, I'm also going to probably just press stop recording at this point.